going to read about four scriptures and then we'll begin today. Let your spirit be in a, an atmosphere of worship. Let your spirit rise up unto the Lord this morning. Let your spirit rise up to the Lord this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 1. It says, Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Psalm 89 verse 14. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Loving kindness and truth go before him. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 3. Do not go on boasting so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriads of angels in festive gatherings. Nope, I read it in KJV. Aha. But ye have come to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. This morning we are considering a topic called the judgment of works, words, and actions. It's going to take us a couple of weeks at least. But we read those passages to establish a few things. That number one, God is a talking spirit. Deuteronomy 32 verse 1. The topic is the judgment of what works, words, and actions. We also read in Psalm 89 and in 1 Samuel 2-3. Showing us that God is a just God. And that God is a God of justice. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 that we have come to God the judge of all. Many times when we think of God the judge of all, you think of God the judge of all in terms of everybody. But the judgments of God, as we will see over time, they are more, it's all to God means more than just humans, means more than everybody that has lived and everyone that will yet live. All to God refers to everything that makes man, man. All your experiences, all your actions, all your words. 
you know jesus was saying that every idle word that a man speaks he would account for so if you are going to account for every idle word you would account for every thought god will take into consideration every thought every action everything that has happened to you in the past everything that is currently happening to you in the present everything that will happen to you in the future so when god judges a man god doesn't just judge the man in terms of what the man has done god judges a man in terms of what the man has gone through and his response to those things god judges a man in terms of his makeup the scripture says that he remembers that we are dust so even when god is judging god judges a man in consideration of the fact that the man is dust he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust i'm not i'm not this judgment we are talking about don't don't just start you know, most times when you hear judge god's judgment the first thing that comes to people's mind is the great white throne judgment the you know the judgment at the end of the age and all that god is consistently evaluating us god is consistently weighing us god is there is nobody that god does not weigh your actions there is nobody that god does not weigh your thoughts there's nobody that god doesn't weigh how you see things and the conclusions you draw from what you have seen hallelujah hebrews chapter 4 I pray the Lord gives us the grace to follow closely in Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 4, I'll read verses 12 and 13. says, for the word of the Lord, no, I'll read it in two versions. Hebrews 4 verse 12. And thirty says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and it is a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Verse thirteen, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the highs of him to whom we must give account. So what are the things that are naked and open? Those are the things he mentioned in verse 12. Your soul, your spirit, your joints, your marrow, your thoughts, your intents. Let me read that place in another version, Amplified Classic Edition. It says, for the word, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life that is your soul and the immortal that is your spirit and of joints and marrows. It's talking of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So what is the first thing that God judges? We'll use this scripture as the basis and we'll start from the back. The first thing that God judges is our thoughts. 
our thoughts. Our thoughts and our intents. Our thoughts and our intents. I wrote here that your intents are usually a product at the conclusion of your thoughts. Another word for intents is where you get the word intention. So what you eventually intend to do is usually a product and the conclusions of your thoughts. Your intention is always the result of your, 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 of, of your gathered thoughts. After you have evaluated everything you know, everything you after you have done an evaluation of everything you know, what you now decide to do, that is your intention. What you now say, okay, based on all the information, so something happens. And then based on all the information you have, you think about it, you analyze it, you, you, you go back and forth on it, and then you say, okay, based on what has happened, this is what I intend to do. God judges that. And one of the reasons God judges that is because many times what you eventually intend to do is, is a product of who you are. It's a product of your values and your opinions. It's a product of your submission to God or your lack of submission to God. What you do is a product of your respect for men or your lack of respect for men. And ultimately, it's a product of how much you have allowed the Holy Spirit to work upon you. Many of us would have to go and listen to this again. So when you say, this is what I intend to do, you are not saying, that. many times, you are not saying, most times, you are not saying it just because of the situation that's happened. It's a mix of what has happened, who you are, your perception of things, your reference for God, your understanding of and respect of men, and how much you've allowed the Holy Ghost to work upon you. For example, somebody slaps your face. It might take you a second to respond, but that response is, 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 is a summary of so many things about you. Some people would, if somebody slaps you, some people will instinctively slap their own. Why? Because that is, it is a product of who they are. They have built over time the fact that somebody, somebody cannot slap me and get away with it. So the day somebody slaps them, the, what they call reflex is trained, is, it's, a, is the response of a trained spirit in a certain way. So that before you can even stop to think about it, your spirit has responded, taking control of your body and you have done your own bam. And then, you know, many times people say, you slap your own force and then they will separate the fight. At least when they separate you, it will be a record that they didn't slap you in vain. You did your own. So all that, all those thoughts, you, you know, they say they, exactly. They say it's one one. So that, you know, you know, if they slap you and somebody quickly holds you, and then they settle the fight, don't fight, don't fight. In your mind, that person will still be thinking, ah, <laughs> But so that that will happen, people, you know, you know, it's, it's scenarios you've all thought of, and then the day it happens, you just go bam. And then, you, and then you step back so the person doesn't do too much <laughs> before they hold you. <laughs> Hallelujah! But 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 that that is an illustration of of how intentions are formed. If you intend to marry somebody, that conclusion that you draw, you just don't draw it on the on the basis of 
the face of that person. Is that what you do? You think of the looks of the person. If if the looks are uh, the person's looks are agreeable to you, don't don't let somebody tell you that the looks of your wife is not important, my friend. That is the f- that is the face you are going to be seen until Jesus comes. Make sure you like that face, because sometimes the words that will come out of that face you might not like, <laughs> but at least you like the face. <laughs> That's a starting point. Hallelujah! But you know, you know, you you think of the person, you think of the person's personality, you think of where you are going, and if this person can help you on that journey along. You think of what that person contributes to you. You think of what you contribute to the person. You think, okay, if both of us... How many of you have got married and didn't do the analysis of how much money you earn and how much that person earns? Yes, we live by faith. Yes or no? But there is a starting point for faith. Yes or no? You, you need to know... It, as children of God, don't lie to yourselves. You need to know where you are so that you can know what you're having faith for. And then, so you've done the math. Okay, if this person brings this, this... Somebody said when he was getting married, he was a secondary school teacher. So he was... And the Lord had said he would bless them. So he was thinking, okay, hmm, maybe the the wife, the lady will be a banker or something like that. That's how God threw... I think God eventually threw both of them into full-time ministries. <laughs> Hallelujah. But those are all the things you think about it. How does this person upgrade me? How does this person lift me up? How does this person make me a better person? So if you are, if the person uh, had a reputation for being a street fighter, you would have considered the fact that maybe one day that street fight will enter your bedroom. Whether consciously or unconsciously, you would have done all those analyses. And then if you now conclude, okay, this this matter is still worth it. How many of you married the first person that came to your mind? How many of you? How many how many of you married the first person that you ever thought, ah, I think I like this guy? How many of you married that person? Why didn't you? Because when the circumstances and everything came together, the equation was zero. It was not balanced. So you kept you kept it moving. You kept it moving. So your intentions would always be a culmination of many things. And where God is where God should terrify you sometimes is the fact that when God is doing the analysis, he considers every single factor. Even the one you considered, even the one you did not consider that still contributed to that situation. That's why God. That's why that scripture says that everything is naked and open before God, so that when God is done doing the analysis and the sum of everything, there will be nothing somewhere that you can come with and say, "God, based on this one that you didn't consider, this your conclusion is faulty," because God would have considered how some. When I was preparing this, the Holy Spirit was telling me that, "Do you know that God considers how something that happened to you twenty years ago?" joins with the ones that happened 10 years, 10 years ago affects the one that happened two days ago and now that oh how that thread is going to play out in five years time god can so god can do god can make connections between events in your life that even don't even remember when that matter happened god judges intents yet the intent is a revelation of who you are 
where you stand, your spiritual maturity, your growth, how you esteem people. There are people that it doesn't matter how their reflex tells them to slap people when they slap them. There are people that will slap that person and they will keep quiet. This is the lie. Even a street fighter, there are people that person will meet one day and that person will deal with them and that person will be able to, the street fighter won't be able to see anything. You've seen soldiers show themselves before. Abi? <laughs> Until <laughs> let me let me leave it alone. There's a there, you know, people fly from Nigeria, for example, there's Lagos, there's Abuja. Much of the madness that all of us complain about in Lagos never happens in Abuja. Because the people in Abuja do not know who is coming. You understand? The email, what if all the shakara you are doing at the door, what if you are doing it to the wife of a of a top military officer? That will be the end of you. So all that madness, you will be in Lagos, you'll be shouting. One day we were traveling and we we had severe pain. Let me just put it like it was severe pain. And then we got to the final stop and the guy checked my bag and said, Oh, you have Milo in your bag. I said, yes, sir. Milo is not allowed on the plane. I looked at him. I said, you can take it and throw it away. I was done. I was red. I was, my nerves were afraid. It's not allowed. Take it and chuck it. So the guy was like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me talk to my boss. So he went, went to talk to his boss and came back and said, well, if you, you know how it goes. If you do one or two things, you can carry. So whether the, the, my Milo was either acceptable or a contraband depending on whether I did one or two things or not. Not for the safety <laughs> of the people. Your intents will always be a measure of your growth and maturity as a person in God. Maturity in relationships. Maturity in outlook. And maturity in in your perception of life. Let me show you a scripture. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually continually. Another version says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts, one version calls it imagination, the other version calls it intent, that every intent of man was evil continually. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. So when God looks at the intents of a man, when God looks at the thoughts of you know that space says the intent of the thoughts. That means your thoughts is your the precipitation of your thoughts is what leads to your intent. But God didn't just say intent, God said the intents of the thoughts. So God looked at both the intent and how he got there is thinking. And he said God repented and he grieved God's heart that he has made man. So in that past, that's the passage where God now lets us know that he is so grieved and he wants to destroy man because his heart was perpetually 
evil. Let me tell you something. One of the ways, hmm, one one of the yardsticks by which God judges how close or how far a person is from him is from the standpoint of how evil or good that person is. And I must tell you that God does not judge good and evil like man does. Good and evil according to God is different from good and evil according to man. What's the definition? Let's even define good and evil. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 6. So Genesis 1, 4. Uh, and, And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light and from darkness if you read uh, we won't read the whole of genesis but if you keep reading through genesis you will see that God would create something and say ah and God saw that it was good and God saw that it was good by the time you get to genesis 31 va- va- genesis 1 verse 31 says and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very God put very there. It was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The word good in Genesis 1 has two meanings. It has two meanings. The first meaning is that for something to be good, it means to be pleasing. It means to be delightful. It means to be pleasant. That's the first meaning of the word good in that passage. To be delightful, to be pleasant, to be awesome, to be wonderful. To be the second meaning, it, when God says good, is that that thing will do well and act right. So when God was saying he created the light and he saw it was good, God was saying that, oh, this light is beautiful. And oh, this light would act rightly. So number one, there is what that thing is. Then there is what that thing does. Those two together, they are how God defines good. What? Let me say it again. What that thing is, and then what that thing does. They are two. You know, they are two different things. Sometimes who you are is not what you do. How many times have you dealt with a matter and, and somebody says, "Oh, and that guy is not like that," or? That means what you know the person to be and what the person has done are not the same. They don't, they don't seem to... They are, they, you are like, is it not this person I know? He did this. And you'll be like, no, nah, it, it, it can't be him. It can't be him. It can't be him. <laughs> when dad was like, we were having the case, gist of, we just remembered, we were, we were remembering some whole time stories. And um, we remembered a very, very funny story of... One time when we were younger, we have seen things. We have seen, I'm not old, but I've seen a few strange things. Strange things. So, one day there was this. So, this woman went to our house one day and said, I'm looking for my daughter. I can't find her. And blah, 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 blah. God will help you find her. When was last? You know, the drama, you know, concern. And then, um, so they went, and like, I wasn't home at the time. So then the next time the lady woman comes back, came back with a police officer. They are looking for Israel. Which one? This one. Yeah, this one. What happened? Ah, they called the lady and the lady said, ah, don't look for me. Oh. 
I'm with Israel in his university. You said her. <laughs> she said she was in my hostel now. So they said she should give the phone to me. When when they call her, either she says I went to the bathroom or she says I've, I just went for lectures, that she's just chilling in my hostel. They should not bother to look for her. So when the mother had enough, she came with the police officer to our house to look for me. And <laughs> that was like, which one? <laughs> my house. <laughs> You know, you know, the way God will save me, one day, I, I, one weekend I was home. And so they called the lady that weekend and said, where are you? When are you coming? She still told them she was with me. Where is he? I went to the bathroom just now. We had asked, I was in my father's house. That was when they realized that ah, this auntie. Uh, do you want to know where the lady was eventually when they found her? <laughs> she was in the house of the police officer that came to my house. <laughs> I'm telling you. She was... I'm, I'm serious. The officer that came to arrest me, she was in his house. So apparently it was, it was there she got the wisdom when went to her for like, how can they lie that? So it was the officer that was giving her tips like, just you scroll through your... Maybe you have his phone number. I just say that's... All sorts of things evil and good but the point is if you if if you heard that story and you feel ah this guy that's what he does on a regular basis how many of you will be bothered if you knew me that that was what i did and you heard the story at the time how many of you will say i didn't do it if you knew that that was what i did on a daily basis you wouldn't argue with it but if you knew that that wasn't what i did on a regular basis then you would be like mm, something is not hiding up in this story. So good according to God is you and what you do. Is who you are. So good is both being and doing. Being and doing. Being and doing. Listen, as far as God is concerned, if you do good without being good, that is the definition of self-righteousness. Isaiah 64 verse 6. Self-righteousness is like filthy rag. Because you are doing, but you are not being. So as far as God is concerned, it is that is why salvation by works would not work. Because it, nobody is denying that the things you are doing are actually good things. But the fact that you, are you yourself have not, has not been made good makes what the good that you are doing unacceptable before God. And the other way around, if you are good, saved, blood washed, but you are also not doing good, you are not fulfilling the divine mandate for which God saved you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Number one is that you have light. And it's not ordinary light. It's not light. of It is the light of God inside you. And then God said, let that light shine. And in the shining of that light is your good work. So the definition of your good works is the shining of the light that God has put inside you. Let your light shine. And then men will see your good works and then they will glorify your father 
in heaven. So if you are if you are not doing even though you have you are not bringing glory to the Father in heaven. Are we still here? Acts 10:38. How God anointed the Lord Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. And what happened? And he went about So there was the anointing and then there was the doing. There was the enablement and then there was the doing. Jesus went about doing good. Now you understand that story in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7 from verse 11. This is Jesus now speaking. He said, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Look at that. Jesus said that you people, you as a, as a person, you are evil. But you know how to give good gifts. Jesus recognizes that the gift they were giving was a good gift. Yet, they themselves were evil. They themselves were evil. So that there is a semblance of the knowledge of good does not make any man good. Even the most wicked person knows the kind of good he can do to bring people on his side. Yes or no? That is the most wicked person you have seen. You might people say Adolf Hitler is the second coming of the devil and all of that. Do you know that there were people that were loyal to that man to death? His girlfriend died with him. She was and she was a nurse. You you will think that a nurse will be compassionate about souls. She the the official story is that when they were close to being captured, both of them took cyanide. And popped cyanide pills. That's what in those days. That's what spies and everything did. They always went around with cyanide pills, so that if you caught the spy, instead of the spy to give away something, they usually have it, hide it under their tongue. That they just swallow it. Once they are swallowed cyanide, in, in one minute the person is dead. You can't even begin to interrogate. So the official was that Hitler and his girlfriend, a wonderful a nurse. The, when they saw that, okay, the way these forces are coming, they're about to capture them. Both of them popped cyanide and died. That was somebody loyal to death to someone who had just murdered six million people. Evil people really are evil by themselves. There is always a measure of enablement by other people. Have you seen somebody rule a nation by themselves? So if somebody, if, if, if when Abacha was running Nigeria the way he wanted, was it not people was, you remember all those colonels that they ended, some of them, they ended up shooting, some of them, they ended up jailing. Were they, were they not people that, was it not that there was a group of people that were receiving orders? Was he the one going around to shoot them himself? All the people, they, all the people, I was reading the story of a man you know, it was online and somebody was saying, um, let us bring back military rule. And then, so, so a man now replied and said, you don't know what you're asking for. Because the, the man now narrated the story of his father. 
that his father made some changes in one of the in one of the organizations like that and people were so upset they went to report you know that that they are sss or what i don't know the terms now but that's that killing squad that abacha had that time and they said that they went through all the accounts they, they, they needed a reason to catch that man and kill him. So they went through all the accounts, all the money. They found out that one penny was not missing. That's how honorable that man was. That the changes he made, he didn't make them because he wanted to pack all the money. He made them because he genuinely believed that these changes were necessary. But he was blocking some people from stealing money. Like Daniel was blocking the other chiefs from access to the king. And so they decided to make an arrangement and take Daniel out. That's what they did for this man. But the, 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 in his integrity, not the, the account was balanced. So they said, okay, we can't catch him with the money. We are going to follow him. So that secret killing squad followed this man for more than a month. Just trying to see the day he will enter one place that he should not enter. And they will just catch him there and nobody will ever find him again. And then they realized the man's life was simple. Walk, home, church, walk, home, church, walk, home, church, walk, home, church, walk, home, church. He said at some point the killing squad felt it would be a waste to actually kill this man. Then they left him alone. It was when they left him alone that the man knew that some it was now when at some point one of the governors in those days now, when they heard that story, one of the governors now called him and said, You are useful to me. Yeah, come and work for me. That was when the man knew the story. For one month, the church walk home, church walk home, church. Work. And they themselves repented of the evil that they were planning to do to the man. So evil, may the Lord deliver us from evil in Jesus' name. So the Lord acknowledged that the gifts that those men gave were evil, that the people were evil, but the gifts were good. So the evil can still do good, but it won't make them good in the eyes of God. And this this principle that the evil can still do good is also one of the reasons why God can pass things to us through even the most wicked of men. Because they, st- even though they are not good, there is still the ability to do good in them. So God will still pass good things across to his children through these channels. Yet, that is why you see people in the world that do not care about God. They seem to obey some biblical principles of like giving and they will be blessed for it. And at the end of the matter, they will go to hell. Because they were doing good and they were being blessed for the good. But because they themselves were not good, they will still share the fate of people that God calls evil. So we must learn that serious demarcation between what people do and who they actually are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what does God consider to be evil? Generally speaking, this is just I'm not the discussion is not good and evil, but generally speaking anything that does not originate from God is evil. Anything that is not of faith is sin. That's what Romans 14.23 says. So, thoughts, actions, 
intent desires, anything that does not originate from God is classed as evil. If it, if it, um, as much, let me, because we are a matured group of people, we are maturing, we are a matured group of people, such that when they ask you to define sin, it is, it is um, level one where they say what is a sin. And you say lying, stealing, killing. Are those sins? Yes, they are. But most of us, by the grace of God, have outgrown that level of hmm, Jesus Christ. I don't want this discussion to go sideways. Because hmm, many, many times um, we say things like, any sin you sin, God will forgive but many times it depends on your standing with God. That is a that statement is true, but there there is a caveat to it. I'm not saying there's any sin you sin that God won't forgive, but there are there are levels you get to with God that if you misspeak or you misdo, you will pay. You will pay. Classic example, Prophet Moses. Speak to the rock. He spoke to the rock the first time. Second time, speak to the rock. He said, shall we? And then he proceeded to smash the rock. Did water come out? Yes. And But while the people were drinking, God called him to the side and said, you are fired. And later when he was speaking, he said, he begged God for the man. And God said, don't ever... One of the because one of the reasons why Moses could not because it, striking the rock twice. You he, number one, he had complicated the sufferings of Christ because the Bible says the rock was Christ. What had happened was that Moses had been elevated to the status of God. Moses was not God, but remember that God said to him at some point, he "said I have made you God unto Pharaoh and." Aaron, your brother, will be your prophet. He didn't say Aaron, you will be my prophet. God, God said that Aaron will be Moses' prophet. That means when Moses spoke, he spoke what God will say. So when God brings a man to a position where that whatever you say is as if God... At that point, if you... God, you know God does not misspeak. At that point, if you now misspeak, you... You know gods don't find forgiveness. Do you think you think there's forgiveness in the spiritual? Do you think there's forgiveness in the spiritual? No. In this, the, why does the Bible say it? Once you cross over, the matter is settled. Whatever state you had when you were crossing over is the status you will maintain. If you are born again here, it is appointed to man to die once. After death is what judgment so you cannot that's why praying for the dead is stupid because it's not going to happen once they have crossed over into the spirit they don't do forgiveness in that why do you you think if they do forgiveness lucifer won't say sorry or they just the, the in 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 the spirit realm it's a case of a sin has been committed someone must pay that's why for us jesus had to pay Somebody had to pay. In the realms of the spirit, 
you sin, you pay. Either somebody helps you pay or you pay yourself. That is it. it there is no, no forgiveness. It is a debt that must be settled. That is how the spirit realm works. Balance. You have sinned. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. That is how the spirit realm works. It is here. What God did was I step because man, what, what the reason we're able to take our forgiving state into the spirit realm is because God created us in such a way that we could exist in multiple realms at once. And God made it such that both realms are they, are, they flow out of each other. The things that are seen are made from the things which do not appear. And so because of that, there's a fluidity where so where a spirit, Jesus, could come into the flesh, pay for man, so that now the state of man, while he's in the flesh, is the state he now carries when he crosses over to the spirit realm again. So because man can do that, you can go across realms, you can find forgiveness in the, in the natural here, and it affects your spiritual state. That is why the spirit you get is... that. It doesn't, it doesn't say your spirit was resurrected. It says your spirit was recreated. That means the spirit you had when you sinned died and died. So that spirit you are talking of did not find forgiveness. Are you here? So that spirit that you had died and it did not find resurrection. Lord help me. The life of Christ that I'm living, my own life died because of sin, the end. So when people don't find Christ, what happens is that they go into eternity with that dead spirit that was dead. And then it's going to keep maintain that state, and that will be the end of it. Hallelujah. So in the spirit realm. That's not where you find forgiveness. You find the forgiveness. You, you, you've seen all those diabolical movies that the witch, uh, a witch wants to, or a warlock or something wants to go and do something to someone. And he goes to do something to someone. And, and unfortunately for them, the person, nothing could be done. Okay, for example, a warlock or a witch wants to attack a man, is unable to attack the man, and eventually... You know that when the, when the spirit now goes back, hello, hello, when the spirit now goes back and says, I wasn't able to attack the man, they just say, oh, it's fine, it's all right. What happens? Somebody must pay. Usually it is the person that sent the spirit on an errand that the spirit couldn't deliver that ends up dying. That ends up in because in the spirit, the spirit cannot just say, okay, I've heard it's okay. No. You've started that thing in motion. That matter must be completed. That is how the spirit realm works. No forgiveness. When that's why when I, I told us before, Jesus would always, when Jesus was walking about on the earth, he was always saying, um, my father, my father, my father. Because he was walking around without sin, doing all the miracles without sin, without sin. When he got before Pilate and he was condemned, what that was the point at which the sin of the whole world was laid upon him. He didn't say my father that day. He said, my God, my God. Because now, once you have done that, it was not that the judge of the whole heart has now seen sin. And the judge of the whole heart had to judge sin. So when God was, Jesus was hanging on the cross because he loved you, what, but for him, 
he was paying the penalty for sin. That's why Jesus himself had to die because the soul that sins would die. It wasn't his own sin, it was another sin, but the consequence of that sin on him was that he had to die. So he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is to say, God was like, my eyes are too pure to be old. So you are my son, but uh, just, 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 just die first. Just die and then we can, we can be settling this matter. So if you could die and pay for your own sin and still resurrect yourself, you, you'll be sinless, but you can't. So, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, like I was saying, at our level, it's not just lies, stealing. No, 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 no. no. We've come before that. It is that whatever is not of faith is sin. If you give God money without, and you don't have faith in his ability to do, to, to, to multiply back unto you, you have sinned. If anything you do for God, without, the, if you do it's a it's a dangerous territory because if you 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 can you can see somebody doing things for God doing things for God, but that the person is not doing it with faith in God but doing it so that people will say that person is doing it that person is multiplying sin upon sin upon sin upon sin so you can you can you can come to the house of God and all you are craving to yourself is judgment because what you are doing is not of faith. If you go and read Hebrews 11, it talks of Sarah. Sarah. The Bible says Sarah judged God faithful. She looked, considered God, considered her problem, and, this, and concluded God was bigger than this problem. And then she placed her faith in God. Why would Daniel agree to be thrown into the lion's den? Why would three blue boys agree to be thrown into fire? Because they had faith. They were te- the Hebrews were telling the king that we won't be careful to answer you in this matter. Because the God we serve is able to... De- that, he, that deliverance is guaranteed. He can. But now, like, even if he now decides, I can't know, but I won't. Either way, we will still not bow. I was reading a place in scriptures and I was saying that ah, you, you, you cut down a tree. You cut down a tree. You cut the branches. Use it to cook your food. I can't remember the place now. I think it's in Isaiah or something. You cut down a tree. You cut the branches of the tree. Use it to cook your food. Basically, God was expanding on the stupidity of men. You had one that used your own hand to cut the tree. You cut the branches and, and you use it to cook as firewood. You use the branches to cook your food, Abby. And then the rest of the trunk, you decide, you know what? Let me carve out a god, an idol, out of the rest of the tree that you went to cut with your own hand. God was just saying, how stupid are you? How stupid are you? But that is what men do. Whether it is physical idols or spiritual idols. Or sin and unseen. You can make an idol of your husband. You can make an idol of your children. You can make an idol of your boss. You can make an idol of your work. That if it comes to your work, if they say, this is London, 
if they say we will pay you this amount of money for you to come to Manchester every day, do you know that most people there is a there is an amount that they will mention that you won't mind the fact that it's two hours this way, two hours backwards, yes or no? Yeah. So everybody has a price. It just depends on how much they are paying. That's why when it comes to coming to the house of God, no price is too great. Because God already knows the price at which you will travel to Manchester every day. <laughs> God already knows the price to at which I know people that work here and live in another country. I know at least two. I know them very well. Work in this country, work in England, live in Spain. So, 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 so when they come like that, flies in, maybe spent like four days, books and hotel and all this, spends like four days, and then goes back on Thursday for a job. For a job, oh. Those are people God will see. And so when you now come and say, ah, Sunday is so expensive, I cannot. <laughs> and then you go back to God and say, have mercy on me, bless me. Sometimes if, if, we, if, we, if we put ourselves in God, God is a merciful God. God would have mercy and all that. But put yourself in God. If, if, because if we want to get to that place where we do serious business with God, there is a level of seriousness God will ask of you in return. There is. There is. What did it cost Moses to become a prophet like, in the, like, like they said? Nobody rose like Moses, but what did it cost him? I was thinking about it. There was a time, you know, there was a time Moses sent his wife and children back home. Today, people will say, ha, you are doing the work of God. You are neglecting your wife and children. And we know his wife was not very happy about it. But he sent her back home with children. But you know what? When they were eventually distributing the land in, the, in Canaan, you know they carved out the portion of his children. They carved it out. As an inheritance. They did. They did. Because eventually his, his father-in-law, Jethro, brought them. And even though the boys were just minding their business and having their family, they carved out their own portion. This is for the, the children of Moses. How much, how much can you realistically look after your children? The one you are staring at 247. <laughs> I heard the story of, of, a, of a man. He said he had two children. So when, when they had the first one, you know, when, you know, most times when people have their first child, they're always very careful, Abby. Ah, you must not roll on the floor. You must not poop on yourself. You must not pick something on the floor and eat. You must not. So they said the, 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 the man and his wife would always get sanit sanitary stuff. So uh, if they see has been playing on the floor, they will quickly get the toll wipes, wipe his hands, wipe this, do this. Make sure you don't catch any bug. Don't do this. I think they were exhausted because when they had the second child, they didn't even. <laughs> you know, by that you get to child number two, you 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 saw it. Let's just let's just assume we did not see. <laughs> Funny enough, and the person was asking that now that the children are grown, the one they were sanitizing head to toe has all the allergies you can list. The one that was just picking things off the floor and eating and forgetting, perfectly healthy. To even the child you are watching 24-7, you only need to say, I'm going to the toilet. And then by the time you come back, the mess you will find. 
Imagine if the child can open the front door and just pop out. So at the end of the day, it is God that looks after. I'm not saying become negligent or anything, but you must know where your limits reach when it comes to your children and know where God takes over. If you decide to play God over their lives, it is you that will lose. Who gave you the child? If you are sure it was God that gave you. The servant of God was saying that one of the reasons people have a lot of problems is that they start trying to manage things that God gave them. Whereas when God gives you something, he also gives you the grace to manage it. But then you come and say, okay, let me, I need to, let me be the officer over this matter. Something you did not create. So if you have children, hand them to God. Of course, be diligent as a parent, but recognize. I was speaking to dad recently. I was like, you know, just talking about raising kids and all that. And and I was saying, oh, so your child is now so brilliant, gets a scholarship to, to Stanford, or Harvard, or all these top universities. Would you say that child should not go? Would you say so? Are you able to? Are you able to watch that child there? How many of you did your father follow you to university? Worst case scenario, they drop you off and go. Whatever you were, if you if they drop you here, and before they got home, you went to sneak into your boyfriend's house. Would they see? So if you go home as a parent and you are you are you are hyperventilating because you don't know where your daughter went or where your son went, you will just die. Am I lying? All of us here have been to uni. You know the things that go on there. A parent. <laughs> That's where the place of teaching and training and, and showing them God. Showing them moral things is not enough. They have, you have to show them God. You, they must know God. And you know, I was speaking to someone I met outside there some days ago. And the person was like, talking about how she misses church and how she loves going to church and dressing up and everything. And one of the things she said struck me. She said that even in those days when they went out partying or doing all crazy things, that at the back of her head, she's remembering what her mother, the scriptures her mother read, the, 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 the blessings of her mother, the warnings, the Bible. So you understand? So what kept that? person when she went there sometimes when she remembers us, she'll just tell her friends i'm going home just get in the car and go home because the, the 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 things that were chasing her were not the moralistic things it was the word of god with the accompanying power that was chastising her in a party and then she'll be like i'm going home i'm done with this place i'm going home those were those are it is the it is the power in the world that keeps a person on the straight and the narrow has not you can beat maybe you beat you 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 is it's because you are in a position to be beaten at the moment isn't it but the day will come where even you when you raise your hand ah uh, you will speak to yourself by yourself that ah uh, you will raise your hand and you will stylishly put it down because even you will understand that ah uh, ah uh, 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 at that point Hey, that's where your report start, card will start coming in. Because if you have raised that child well, that is when you will start to, your report card starts to come in. And if you have not, that's the point you start finding out. The Lord will help us in this name. So there must be something of God you know 
and you are standing on speaking of, of of faith that you are standing on which forms the basis of any right thing you do and if there isn't something of god you are standing on then you are either standing on something man made or you are standing on something the devil made if it is man made it at best is self righteousness and is filled rag if it is god devil made mm. it is hell it is hell so one of the things God judges is your intentions, your intent. Why are we you doing this? What what do you stand to gain? What do you stand to gain? What do you hope to achieve? So you say something hurtful to someone. What what why? What's the, what's the, what's, what what do you hope to what 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 are you trying to what what point are you trying to make you make a decision at work and because you are the superior of that person you decide to treat them a certain way why you know in the scriptures one of the the set of people that is most dangerous to offend the poor the not just the poor the fatherless and the widows those two fatherless and widows because the fatherless god becomes their father the widow god becomes their husband god help you if you now offend or violate people like that the fatherless and the widow because the man whether stands as a father or as a husband and when a man stands like standing in for god every man should be afraid because what you are effectively doing is that you are standing in for god in the life of your wife and your children you are supposed to be the physical representation of god to them to your wife and your children so if you can't receive words from god for your family your family is in trouble if you do not know what god is saying about your children they are your children are in trouble so the duty of a man beyond bringing out money and saying hey money for this money for that is that you stand as a priest and an oracle of God over your family. That as long as I am alive, and every man here should actually practice it, where you tell your wife and children, go to bed. And the reason you have told them to go to bed is because you have business with God. So you, everybody, it's 10 o'clock to bed, but you don't follow them to bed. You stay in the city room and say, Lord, it is me and you over this house. So it is uh, all those posts where they say, um, thank God for my praying mom. Wonderful. Did your father die? Because, yes, as much as praying mom, thank God for praying mom. Where are the praying fathers? Where are the praying husbands? They should be there. One of the, one of the, one of the, the problems with society is that many men have not become fathers. Many men have not become husbands. They don't even know what it is. They don't even know what it means. So they don't even know how to behave. It is not just that you... Yes, you would have clashes and quarrels and sometimes it's, it's quarrel that you settle. Sometimes it's quarrel you just say, look, for the sake of peace, let's just... It's not every quarrel you can settle. There are some quarrels that, that you just be like... Everybody go and sleep. When you wake up in the body, you just continue as if yesterday night did not happen. Married people here... Am I am I lying? Is every matter you said to? 
If you had to sit down to settle every matter, how, how many days in a week will you be spending arguing? It's true. Almost every day. If if somebody did something in the morning and all of you went to work and then you came back, we need to sit down, we need to talk. You talk on Monday. By Saturday, by Tuesday, somebody has done something again. We need to sit down to talk. You sit down, you talk again. Ah 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 bah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there are situations where you just you know what that thing that happened yesterday. Forgive me. It doesn't. It's not a case of right or wrong. It's a case. Of, you know you can. You know they say something. They say you can win the battle and lose the war. You can be right, and then you lose the person. It's possible. You, it can be that it was you that they offended. But in you claiming your right position, which is right, you still lose the person. Preferring one another. Even though you are the one that, you know it in your, your every fiber of your being knows that you were right and that guy was wrong. You will still, uh, okay, do you want to be right? You know, somebody said something one day. I was, somebody said, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? There is, I don't fully agree with it, but there's an element of truth in it. Because, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? Because marriage is effectively, you'll be offending each other like no man's business. Because you are two different people, different personalities, different everything that you are trying to couple together. Jesus married us as a church. Are we there yet? This is Jesus. So Jesus left heaven to come to her. To Jesus literally died. Is that, is that when, when, when there was no when there was no hope, when there was no guarantee that anybody was going to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, he came and he died. How is our relationship with Jesus now? If Jesus is not doesn't have a lot of long suffering, and that's God, who is perfect, not now talk of two human beings that are not perfect. How many of you like your privacy here? How many people like your privacy? You just want that time where you want to be alone. How many of you have just wanted privacy and your others or your other half didn't take it too kindly? When the house of God, you cannot lie. <laughs> you cannot lie. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just keep quiet and the other person is thinking, what have I done now? And honestly, the other person has not done anything. All you just wanted is five seconds where nobody is saying a word. And maybe we'll do by every now one day. Because <laughs> let me announce to you, we were contrary to, to what you believe. When a man says nothing, Many times it is nothing. When you say, what are you thinking? And the man said nothing. Honest to God is not thinking of anything. And the brother say, <laughs> it's true. Is it not true? They will ask you, Abby, they will say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Whereas, honestly, you're, you have suspended your ability to think. You are, you are just staring blankly at nothing. And then they will come and be like, you don't want to tell me, Abby? <laughs> you don't want to tell me, Abby? There's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. You don't want to tell me. There's nothing to say. 
if you say so, there is something, you will be lying because honestly, there was nothing. But I don't. But women, are, on the other hand, are able to co- to compartmentalize ten things. They are thinking of the shopping. They need to do the baby, the curtain that broke, the WC that is not flushing properly. Oh, the tire of the car that is iffy. Oh, we've not bought cereal. Oh, we've not bought. Whereas, your you brother, if I'm lying, say pastor, you're lying. No? Many times you make it. You those same things. You make a list. And in your mind, you are just ticking the list one by one. Okay, tire. Okay, I'll do tire tomorrow morning. But until I do tire, I'm not going to buy groceries. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to do tire. So when you go, you do tire, tire check. Like, okay, ah, what's that other thing I need to do? Oh, I need to buy cereal. Okay, Morrison, enter Morrison, check the cereal. And then you're like, hmm, what's the next thing? You are walking your way through the list. The madam is calculating how she's going to do the entire list in one go. And so there's problem because you are not fast enough. Or like you, you forgot. You didn't forget. It's just at the bottom of the list. The day you get there, you will do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the differences, the differences in, in human interaction, the differences we have. Sometimes, for example, uh, we we worship God. Many of us, God God doesn't want us to lose our our uniqueness when it comes to worshiping Him. So you can't really say worship God like me. People are different. Some people are very expressive. Although there are times where you need to be expressive based on the instruction. If the pastor stands there and say lift up your hands, then you should. Oh, lift up your voice means lift up your voice. That means open your mouth and say something to God. But but individually speaking, some people might like shouting, some people might not like shouting, some people might like to sing quietly. So now, if 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 you are now coupled with someone that sees these things differently, then wisdom demands that you allow for how the person sees it. I was I was I was a servant of God was speaking that he said that one day that he was he was he was talking to God and God was uh teaching him that one of the ways to maturity that one of the definitions of maturity before God is how he relates with his wife not only you know sometimes we go to God and we think oh I've read 50 chapters of the Bible I've read my Bible cover to cover I've prayed five hours per day and God the only thing God is seeing is the fact that I, your wife <laughs> Your wife, you, you, God is saying your wife. You are saying I have done all this spiritual exercise, and the reason that is important is because the man and the woman is literally a picture of Christ and the church. So when people say, when you say uh, women should be submissive, 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 it is not submissive so that they can be oppressed. It is submissive like the church submits to Christ. But the the more difficult side of it is the instruction to the men because you are supposed to represent Christ. It's easier to submit than to represent Christ to people. Is it not? When you have to stand in the shoes of Jesus, that means you have to see things, you have to know things, you have to pray, you have to stand, watch over your family. He said if the, if the head of the house knew when the things will come, she will prepare. Did they say the wife of the house? Did they say the children? What did they say? So if anything happens to your family, whose fault is it? 
if the de- God was teaching me something, if the devil finds a way to enter your house, don't blame anybody. Yo. You slept off. It is not the responsibility of your wife to see the danger before you do because you are the one that is supposed to be on uh, the watchman standing on the wall. If if, if if so, the man opening the gate is not as important. Is important, but it's not as important as the watchman on the wall because the one on the wall should have seen the danger from far off. Not the gate man that would just got overrun. Because by the time he by the time he saw the danger, it was already by the gate. So many times in a house, the wife is like that gate man that is just doing his own business, opening the door and closing it. The husband is supposed to be the watchman that stands on the wall and sees the danger from a distance and blows his horn that everybody prepare for battle. Prepare for battle. Prepare for battle. This has become marriage seminar. But, but anyway, let me conclude. So the one thing I've told us that God judges today is our intentions. And I've told us that our intentions is, is they are not just intentions, they are more than intentions. There are our intentions are a summary of all the of even how you process information. You know that two people can do the same thing and you would address the matter differently. Yes or no? Why would you do that? Because of your estimation of the two of them. Because of how much you like one and hate the other. Because of how much you relate well with this one and how much you don't relate well with this one. All of those things are things that God looks at. Even your biases. So I'm teaching us so that we can can be more conscious of intentions. If you have an intention... One of the ways you should also do this is that ask yourself, how did I... If, because intentions eventually lead to actions. We will see later. But one of the ways to retrace your steps is to look at how did I arrive at this conclusion. Not just the conclusion itself, but check your journey towards that conclusion. And if you realize that at any point you have allowed Satan to whisper one or two things to you, then you begin that is once you realize that as whisper just know that 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 intention is wrong a servant of god was saying i was putting i put it on my status recently that satan has concluded that the way to destroy revival is not to attack the revival it is the it is to insert people one of the reasons the azusa street revival died was because people started to try to manage when god broke out God was not managing. Was he? When the Holy Ghost broke out, the Holy Ghost was not managing. Now people wanted to put structure on what they did not start. If if there was, that's why in our person, even in our midst, we have to be careful. If there is a way that God has started working with us, don't, I, I was thinking recently that, hmm, we should buy drums, we should buy keyboards. So I was thinking and thinking, I was thinking, ah, these things are good, though. these things are good. We should buy drums and keyboard and all that and all that. And so I mentioned it to one or two people. And eventually what, when the, one of the things the Holy Spirit finally pointed out was that when you get there, when it is time to introduce those things, you won't struggle for them. You won't even struggle for who to play them. You won't even struggle for anything. When you get there, the people for that function will turn up. Because the, the way to quench the spirit is to introduce things that the spirit has not made accommodation for at that time. 
So all of you, you clap your hands and lift up your voice until God says otherwise. Because that is how, at the moment, he wants it. The Azusa Studio decided to introduce structure. Like, there was a, another one I was reading where the servant of God, so the, everybody will get to church, but they won't start preaching. So the star, servant of God, everybody will sit down. And it is the, the person that the Holy Ghost moves that will get up and preach that day. It wasn't the question of I'm the pastor, I'm preaching. It was a question of all of us who sit down. So they said sometimes they will sit down for one hour. Everybody will sit down. There, there, there was no praise and worship. Everybody will sit down on their chairs and be praying, praying in the spirit, praying by themselves, worshiping God by themselves on their seat until somebody jumps up like the Holy Ghost and then goes to the front and starts to minister. That church, they said, if you go there, be sure of the gifts of the Holy Ghost that you say you have. Because if you say something that is wrong, it's the usher at the back that will say, excuse me, that word is not from the Lord. You will know. Because the operation of the Spirit, they just basically, they, every, they basically went to church every day like an, like an empty vessel, like a plate with nothing on it. No, no praise and worship, nothing, nothing. Eventually, they killed it because people are like, what is this nonsense? How can we go to church and we sit down for one hour and nobody is saying anything? And people were not happy. And little by little, little by little, they did like that until they quenched it, until the whole thing died. So Satan will always try to hide. I mean, I worked in a place that everything was rosy until they employed somebody. Yeah, we worked there before. Everything will be nice. All of you will be friends. And then some, one guy will come and join your team. And from that day, it will be severe pain for everybody. The Lord bless us in Jesus. Name. Let me stop here. Rise up on your feet this morning. And just respond to the Lord. Ask the Lord to purify your heart. Ask the Lord to purify your thoughts. I must say... That many, many times, most of the thoughts that come into your heart, they are not... It's something God taught me recently, this week. The de- Listen to this. The devil can... One of the ways the devil messes with us is that he, 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 he creates an atmosphere of bad thoughts around us. Such that you... You, sometimes when you just realize that you're having bad thoughts upon bad thoughts upon bad, what has happened is that there's a demon that has camped around you and is just shooting, shooting those thoughts into you. Many times you will think you are the one doing the analysis. It is not you. It is a demon thinking those things on your behalf. I'm planting it. And then when you accept it, and then you let it grow, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. But this initial seed of that thinking was not yours. So ask, lift up your hands, right hand to the Lord, and say, Lord, help me. Purify my thoughts. And then you yourself purify the atmosphere around your heart. Every, every deposit of hell, every harrow of thoughts of hell that Satan has just been launching into your, launching into your heart, launching into your, Thoughts are like, Reverend Kelly Diggins said, that thoughts are like birds. You can't stop them from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest on your head. Pray that in the, I sanctify the atmosphere over my heart, over my life, over my area. Every, every demon of pure devilish demonic thought. I'm like you, 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 you may have thought. Ah. Sometimes you have a thought, and you are like, "Was I the one that thought that?" 
the fact that you are questioning that thought shows already that it wasn't from you. In the name of Jesus, purify our hearts. Purify our thoughts. Purify our hearts. Purify our thoughts. Purify our intent. Let our intentions be pure. The Lord said that I looked upon the heart of man, Genesis 6, and that the imagination of his thoughts, the intent of his thoughts, the conclusion of his thoughts was evil continually. And the Bible says, Lord, repented. Lord, we will not get to a point where you have to repent over your promises over us. You will not get to that point where you'll be like... It was the same God that blessed the God that I said, far be it from me. We will never get to that point where God will now say, far be it from me. Whoever honors me, I will honor. That will not be our portion. That will not be our story. In the name of Jesus, help us purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Purify our hearts. Rota bases eligrahados que bande eligrahados Purify our thoughts, purify our hearts, help us, help us, mighty Savior, help us, help us. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, purify our hearts. Let our intents and our intentions be pure. Help us indeed, that everything we do will be acceptable before you. That every thought of ours will be inclined towards you. That everything we allow to rest, every thought we allow to rest in our hearts will be thoughts of you. Pure and progressive in the name of Jesus. Everyone that the devil has, has planted seeds of impure thoughts and demonic and dangerous thoughts in their heads, in their hearts, we uproot in the name of Jesus. Everything that is not of God that settled into the heart of men. Every mist of hell settled over men. Anyone listening to me, I dispense it in the name of Jesus. Every cloud of darkness, every canopy of bad and impure thoughts, every demonic canopy over the hearts and the eyes and the heads of men, I shatter in the name of Jesus. Your heart is purified. Your thoughts is cleansed. We sanctify you and everything that surrounds you with the blood of Jesus. We are, you are cleansed from all filthiness of mind and of spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.